Draw. Welcome to Untap Upkeep. I'm Nick, and Jason, would you like to pay the two, the two, and the four? No. And I'm Jason, and I love sprites, spin downs, and spawn sire of Ulamog. Cool, I get a treasure token, I get to draw a card, and I get to draw a card. Anyways, this is the Untap Upkeep podcast, and we are here with you today. Our flavor text of the day comes to you from Ravnica Allegiance. It is Glass of the Guild Pact. Counterbalanced forces sustain this city. No faction above others. A beautiful idea. Amara. Alright, so today we'd like to continue our discussion from uh, last episode, which was the 10 guild combinations from Ravnica, and talking about strengths, weaknesses, deck building, how to improve them, etc. Uh-huh. And... Pretty much, we're going we're going to cover the remaining five on our list. If you didn't watch this, the last podcast, I suggest you go watch it because we're not gonna go back to the other five that we talked about. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. So let's get started. All right. So the first one on my list for this episode is Azorius, the blue white combination. Jason, how do you feel about Azorius? I don't want to pay my taxes. That's pretty much what Azorius is all about. It's all about control. Uh, thematically, it's all about, like, laws and kind of just being the jerk at the table. Yeah. I determine what is allowed. Yeah, I, I set the precedent for this game. Uh, you want to do that? You have to give me this. Uh, no, you can't do that. That's countered. Uh, that's, you can't play cards this turn. That's kind of Azorius. Um, one of the, everyone should probably know the most prominent Azorius commander which is Esperia. I was going to say Grand Arbiter. Ar- yeah, <laughs> yes, Esperia. <laughs> I mean, Esperia is a guild leader, so technically, I mean, fair enough. But anyways, yeah, so I think Azorius' strengths come in the fact that it does have that control element. I think of it like Demir, but more fair. I mean, you generally play more board wipes. I'm not going to deal any cheap shots. It's like, I'm not going to let you set up your board and then destroy it. Like, like pick and choose, be like Demir, which is like, oh, I counter it or I don't, and then I let it hit the board and then I, I kill it. Azorius is more like, you want to play that? No, you don't. No, you can't. Uh, I say no. Or, no, put that back in your hand. Um, that's pretty much the way that Azorius likes to play. So it has strengths from white having its kind of controlly stuff, like silence... Or, um... Rule of Law. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Or, um, Spirit of the Labyrinth. Just... You're, like, Norn's oh, Annex. Smothering Tithe, of course. Mm-hmm. But all the stuff that... Oh, and, um, yeah, like, Ghostly Prison, that kind of stuff. Pretty much stuff that prevent... It's preventative measures. And then Blue has, well, what Blue does, which is draw and counter spells. Bounce. <laughs> and bounce and... All the tricky stuff. Ristic study. Ristic study. So, together, the color combo is pretty strong, but sometimes it's kind of hard to win. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it lacks a lot of big creatures, which uh, quite a few of the other guilds we've talked about so far, and a couple that we will talk about, kind of win with just big stompy I mean, boards. if it has green or red in it, it's exactly. probably going to have some form of big creature in it of some kind. But... Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that when you look at Azorius Commanders, you get stuff that generally fit the same category, like um, Grand Grand Arbiter, 
Yeah. Or um, Lavinia, either Lavinia, um, Azor, you know, that kind of stuff. I am the law. And then you get this kind of interesting category that still keeps that control feeling, but does something completely different. The deck is built completely different. Like, um, Nor- like uh, Noyandar, um, Afara, or Tygam, the blue-white Tygam, where you have a very specific game plan that involves a lot of control to make sure your game plan works, but it's not entirely built around, no, you can't do that. And I think another strength that Azorius brings to the table is evasion. I think a lot of their creatures can become unblockable, or there are flyers. There's a lot of ways for creatures to get through for combat damage, and I think there's a lot of effects that, for example, like Biden of Thassa type effects in blue that let you do things when you do combat damage, and so I think that's how Azorius kind of likes to win sometimes, is just, I'm gonna attack and you can't block. There's also stuff like the Brago decks that like to abuse enter the battlefield triggers with like cloud blazer, for example, mm-hmm. or mold drifter, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's the kind of workaround when it comes to more, I guess I wouldn't say combat based, but more tricky kind of, yeah, I would say, I would say blink packages are definitely an Azorius thing. Yeah. So all in all, I think that Azorius is a good color. I don't really think you can fix it because it's, strong i mean it's not that it's weak it's that it's it i think if you had a couple more big creatures at the top end and i mean azorius has them like it's not like azorius is short on like big creatures at like the seven mana eight mana cost true but i i think you you could go with just a couple more that aren't like game breaking of course because the thing is is it it has some of the best like, staples in the game, like Swords of Plowshares, Path to Exile, mm-hmm. uh, Ristic Study, Smothering Tithe, Wrath of God. It can deal with stuff by just making it not exist. And I think that Azorius, in that sense, is also one of the most unfun colors. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, I think it's really hard to break away from that. And I think the only way that Azorius, besides what Jason did for, like, quality of life changes, could make it a better color combo is if you made a different play style entirely. But that would involve bending color pie rules yeah. or creating cards that were just busted on their own. And that is tricky. So I think that they should maybe throw a bone here and there, but not really tamper with the color combo too much. Plus, if they try to break the color pie, then I could just break the color pie while still including all the good stuff from Azorius and make a super deck that you're not going to ever be able to beat. That's true. And of course, if we hit 100 subscribers, I will eat the pie. Yeah. I will eat the bacon to a pie. I'm going to keep reminding you guys that I'm going to do it. I promise. Hey, Nick, do you like death? Yeah. Do you like destruction? Of course. Do you like chaos? Maybe. Well, have I got the guild for you. It's Rakdos, the black red deck. What Rakdos really likes to do is I'm going to play cards. I don't know what's going to happen, but things are going to blow up. Things are going to explode. It's party time. I'm going to play some demons, maybe. And we're just going to have a nice little fun show, and magic is going to be crazy. And so I, I think what Rakdos likes to do is kind of play a little bit with RNG. I think there's 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 a slight RNG element, although that is potentially, you don't have to put that in your deck. And uh, what Rakdos definitely is strong at is destruction. I'm going to, I can burn you, I can destroy your creatures, 
And so I think it's it's that is the main strength of Rakdos. Rakdos is the pain color because black likes to do whatever it needs to do to get what it wants. So hurting yourself, hurting your opponents, drawing cards, destroying things. Red is the impulsive color. So when you put those together, you just get this destructive kind of, oh, I'm going to ping everything, including myself. I'm going to I'm gonna hurt myself to draw cards. I'm going to punch you with, you know, uh, 10 damage. I'm going to throw all my creatures at you and they all die, but I don't really care. Yeah, and so I, I think the Rakdos player at the table is always going to be, it's, he's going to be unpredictable because you don't know what's in his hand and you don't know what kind of nefarious, crazy stuff he can muster up. They're pretty fun at parties. Yeah, but... <laughs> It's 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 also someone that you want to look out for because next thing you know you have a bunch of like six six flying demons coming at you or dragons are flying at you or just anything really. Or they play a board wipe and everyone dies. Yeah, and then they recur stuff out of their grave. No, I mean like literally everyone dies because of all the damage from everything dying. <laughs> yeah, and so I I think that's what Rakdos is good at. I think Rakdos definitely has a way to get creatures on the board. I think Rakdos is like. Like you were saying, the playstyle is kind of like a ticking time bomb with a self-destruct button attached to it, mm. um, where Rakdos can just kind of throw stuff on the board and either overrun you with a bunch of stuff that really doesn't care if it lives or dies because you're just going to either get more or you want them to die, yeah. or you just say, no one gets to have anything, blow your crap up. Let's let's destroy the lands. Yeah, Screw let's destroy it. the lands, let's... <laughs> Um, everyone can draw cards and then discard cards. Everyone can, you know, um, and I, I think that's where the weakness of Rakdos comes in is Rakdos is, is very resource intensive. You need to have mana to do the things that you want to do. I need to hold up mana for murder or for my bacon to a pie. Uh, I I think it has also a similar weakness to like Golgari in that black as a color likes to have recursion. And when it's in Rakdos colors, if you're playing that strategy with, like, um, for example, the new um, Rakdos commander, Jury, or with um, Judith, um, then you rely on a death strategy a lot, where you want your stuff to kill. Like, Aristocrats. It's like playing Orzhov, but more aggressive. Mm -hmm. And that has a weakness in the fact that Grave Hate just dumps on your deck. Yeah, and I I think... The a, a card draw problem kind of exists in the fact that in Rakdos colors, I can't draw a card other than like normal draws without paying a price. I'm either going to pay life to draw cards, I'm going to have to sack creatures to draw cards, I'm going to have to discard cards to draw cards. And so I think at that at that moment, Rakdos is kind of... It, it's tough to get advantage over people when I'm playing cards to destroy creatures or I have to discard cards to draw cards. But also... If you build your deck right, I think that those disadvantages do become advantages, in a sense. Like, if I'm playing a deck that wants to recur things in Rakdos, and I play Faithless Looting, and I discard two really good creatures, then that's great for me. I mean, that's advantage. It just, when you don't have anything, like Jason was saying, then you're at a loss for everything, and you're setting yourself behind. The other weakness I think that Rakdos really struggles with not as much anymore but it's enchantment removal um previously the only enchantment removal that rakdos had were very cost inefficient like scour from existence 
universal solvent, uh, unstable obelisk. And, and even those aren't Rakdos. Yeah, and even those aren't like Rakdos cards. And that was kind of one of the things that made the color combo struggle a little bit. Because if you're playing against, I don't know. Auras. Auras, for example. Or someone plays a Sylvan Library or a, you know, a Rhystic Study or a Smothering Titan, you just can't do anything about it. You just kind of have to sit there and go, do I pay for it or not? Or do I just deal with it as it stays there? Or do I wait till someone else deals with it? But I mean, to be fair, if I'm playing Rakdos, no one's going to really make a deal with me unless they want to absolutely destroy everything. So it's going to be kind of difficult to deal with that kind of stuff. But as of recent, we got Feed the Swarm, which... Fits the Rakdos, I you know, concept of paying life, pay, taking a cost to do something, but it destroys an enchantment. So step in the right direction? Question mark. It's a step in. The, I think it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. So, what do you think we should do about fixing this color if we were to fix anything? I I think, like I understand that Rakdos has a direction as the chaos color, but I I feel like a lot of the decks kind of try to not be that. I feel like if I'm building a Rakdos deck, for example, if I'm building Anya Falcon Wrath, my the the goal of my deck is to be very linear and to win a certain way. And so I feel like kind of the the chaos that Rakdos is is kind of lost. I, maybe that's just so a like, flavor thing for me. So but... like a tug in identity, like an identity yeah, crisis. A exactly. Little bit. I mean, sort of. I think that I don't necessarily see Rakdos as just the chaos color. I think if any of the colors would be the chaos color, it'd be either Is it or Rakdos. However, I think Rakdos has a little bit of a, um, to me at least, goes a little bit more in the, in the, um, I don't know how to put it. I guess just enjoying every moment of every card, no matter what it is, until you die. I mean, mm. as opposed to just like, oh, we're just going to screw everything up, more of a, I'm just going to play this, and I don't really care what it does to me or what it does to you. I'm going to watch the world burn. Yeah, I'm going to watch the world burn as opposed to chaos. That's how I feel about the color combo. So I think that's where, like, with Anji or Anya or however you want to pronounce it, um, I see that deck as being a I'm burning my own resources by discarding cards, but I'm using that as my advantage. It is still linear, and I agree with you on that, though. Mm -hmm. And But we have gotten really good Rakdos commanders in, like, Judith, for example, or um, what's his name? Um, Grevin. Mm -hmm. Grevin is a really good example of a Rakdos commander where it wants to hit hard. You're paying a price by sacking creature and losing life, but you're also just drawing cards and really punching people for a lot. Yeah. But, yeah, I think... I don't know. I don't know what they could do. I mean, I don't, th I don't think that... Rakdos needs more enchantment removal. I think that that is a obvious weakness of the color combo, but it has a few things. Maybe one more. Yeah. But not not enough that you're drawing it every game, but you may have a chance of getting it. Options. Yeah. Um, and while you're watching the world burn, I think that maybe they're... Again, in that same problem... I think that there should be more, um, there is some diversity in Rakdos Commanders, but I think there should be more. Yeah, I, I agree that there, there's probably like six or seven good Rakdos Commanders that people play, and the rest are kind of just like, there's either a commander that does the thing that that commander does better, 
or you add a color to it for a different command. Exactly. Because I think like Zancha is a really good example of a good diverse commander. It plays towards that chaos element while still giving you advantage. Yeah. Um, I think the same thing with Anya or Anji. Anya Um <laughs> No. But um, yeah. So that's that's our opinion, right? Yeah. Any other thoughts? Chaos. Bet you didn't see that coming. All right, so for my next color combination... Banoko. Okay, so for my next color combination... Okay, so for my next color... And the growth spiral. Combination is Simic. I'm out of gas. And the Simic combination is... I, I like to think of it as similar thematically to Is It, but instead of it being like making inventions and that kind of stuff, it's all about bioengineering. Yeah. And that's how it is structured lore-wise, thematically, the the playstyle, etc. I'm going to make the cool thing. I'm going to, yeah. And you get to be really creative. Simic is a very strong color combination. And it has always been a strong color combination. You sure about that? <laughs> yeah. I. <laughs> yeah, especially from that intro. I don't think... I Even in other, other formats, it, it's just the worst color combination. Yeah, you know, it's just, it needs all the help it can get. Um, but the strengths are pretty much all over the place. Because green has artifact and enchantment removal and ramp. And blue has card draw and counter spells. So you get a lot of different deck building choices in the color combo. You can go for really big creatures. Big stompy boys that can't be blocked. Yes. You can go for a bunch of little boys or girls or creatures. That can't be blocked. Maybe. But that, that just kind of swarm the board. You can go for plus one one counters. That can't be blocked. <laughs> I mean, okay, fair enough. But you, you get all of the kind of fun, playful stuff. Um... So you get stuff like, like we mentioned, Uro, which ramps you and draws a card. Oko, which just takes care of something on the board or steals something or just is annoying, but I love him. Oko is my favorite. Um, or Growth Spiral, which ramps you and draws a card. And it just has that flexibility that a lot of color combos don't have in that it can run the strongest blue cards and run the strongest green staples and just that alone can make the deck playable and i think that that's one of also one of the issues with the deck too is that it is just always going to be a strong deck but i feel like to a certain extent because there are so many good staples there isn't as much deck flexibility you're going to want to put all the good and blue great cards no matter what the commander is or what the win con is. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to throw in my Sylvan Library and my Rhystic Study and my Cyclonic Rift and my Nissa who shakes the world in any blue-green deck. doesn't matter. Yeah, or Hydroid Crisis. Or... Yeah, the thing is that's crazy is how many cards we can list that are all like in recent standard. Yeah. You know, Uro, Oko, Growth Spiral, Nissa who shakes the world, Hydroid Crisis canon yeah like there's just so many cards that fit into those color com that color combo that just make it good and 
I think the problem with Simic is partially that it's too strong, but I don't think that it, they should like make it weaker. I think it's just hard to not make cards that are good in this color combo. I also feel like, in a sense, Simic is predictable. Like, obviously, if you... I don't know that you're going to have a counterspell in your hand or whatever, but it's like, I kind of know... It doesn't really matter what you're playing. I kind of know what your deck is designed to do, and if I have ways to stop it, I have ways to stop it. Yeah, we have a Simic player in our playgroup. You know who you are. Um, <laughs> but... You know, it, it's kind of like the commander kind of tells what the deck is for the most part. If I'm playing Azuri, the the uh, experience counter Azuri, then I'm playing a bunch of creatures and I'm putting counters on things. I might be playing Infect, but that's a whole nother story. If I'm playing Edric, I'm playing a bunch of 1-1 invasive creatures, or just evasive creatures in general. I'm going to draw some cards. If I'm playing, um, what's another Simic commander? Um... Eryxmathes. I'm playing big, big mana stuff. And I'm going to get some infinite mana. Yeah, or I'm going infinite. So, Simic just has that versatility, and it makes... But the commanders do kind of tell the tale, because if I'm playing... Um, if you're playing, like, Rashmi, then you know I'm going to be playing a lot of spells that have pretty large CMCs, and I'm going to be getting a lot of advantage out of it so that I can just play cards off the top of my deck. If I'm playing... Tatiova. Tatiova, then it's a landfall deck. If I'm playing Vanifar, then the game's over. Uh, <laughs> but, less. you know, there there's a little bit of predictability in that sense. So I think that what's tough is, like, we, I think the issue with Simic is, like, what we mentioned, where you're just going to put the best cards from each color in there. Whereas, like, if you looked at, like previously mentioned the Rakdos deck there are some cards that i like but they don't really fit the theme that i'm going for or they're very specific and i don't want to run them so i won't put them in whereas in simic it's just so flexible i'm just going to throw them in yeah so and we saw that with cards like of course nissa who shakes the world veil of summer for sure um and i think that if simic wants to diversify they need to make more specific simic yeah. cards and kind of Give the color more of a distinctive identity in other deck building concepts, I guess. Without making busted cards. Please, please, please don't make any more busted cards. Or if you make a busted card, make it actually, like, have a hoop to jump through. Or, a con you know, a synergistic piece as opposed to, like, a, oh, this card just wins. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what I would do to Simic is I would probably just tune cards in the future to be... Less of a all-around staple and more of a, oh, I need to build around this card. Because if you look at standard, people really weren't building around Uro. People weren't really building around Hydroid Crisis or it's, Veil of Summer. They're, they're just, just nice to have. They're just good to have. If you can play the color combo, you throw them in. So that's my advice on that color combo. So for our next guild, we have the Green-White Guild, Celestia. Celestia has a couple different win cons, but I think the the most popular one is definitely tokens. I'm going to make a lot of tokens. I'm going to buff all my tokens somehow. I'm going to maybe gain some life in the process, and I'm just going to swing with a mass army of elves, elephants, kind of anything Soldiers. that you name of. Yeah. And so I, I think what Celestia's goal is, how can I get as many creatures out as I can, as fast as I can? 
I think there's a reason why it's called um, the Conclave. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like Jason said, you want a lot of creatures. You want to make a lot of creatures. Kind of have a collective effort, if you will, of cards that just populate. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's definitely one of the Celestia mechanics. And um, I think that also it has really good color combo like synergy in that white does care a lot white has a little bit of a split identity of being a control color but also being a token or a weenie color Mm -hmm. whereas green also likes tokens but also likes big stuff or ramp and that's where stuff like convoke comes in where you have a bunch of little things and then you just cheat something really big in and you throw it at someone and so there's that so i think that it's strong and that it has the right removal yeah and it, and it has it has the ramp to do the the big flashy things it does the thing do. yeah and so i i think celestia i would honestly say is probably one of the more well-rounded colors yeah i think it's pretty just all around well built and well designed mm-hmm. um because white has creature removal green and white have enchantment and artifact removal it has a lot of creatures that can jump block. It can play big creatures. It's kind of flexible in that sense. It can slow opponents down by taxing them with the various white things. But also, I think reactionary-wise, I think it's not a very good color for that. Yeah. I, I think it is It is one of the worst... I guess anything without blue is not very good at being proactive and stopping your opponents from doing the things. It's only, okay, you have the thing. Now I'm going to stop you. Yeah, or, like, I feel like the most prominent... Because generally, if it's a creature-based theme, you don't want a board wipe. Correct. So, I feel like Selesnia kind of does what Boros does, too, in that, oh, I have a board, but instead of destroying the board and getting rid of your things, I'm just going to make my things unkillable, Mm -hmm. like indestructible or something, and hope that I can kill you next turn with them. And that's why I also think a lot of the, like, group huggy type decks often use selesnia colors if not like more colors but like i'm, I'm talking specifically about silvala the selesnia silvala it's that like i don't really want to hurt anybody i just want to try and be better yeah the selesnia color combo are the the peace love and nature love and i'm gonna tree hug no tree offense to all your tree huggers out there you guys are great um i love selesnia but i think that it's tough because I don't think that I don't know how to how to get a, get get this point out, but there are also other strategies in Selesnia that aren't tokens, but ultimately they result in tokens. Yeah, like um, Shiro- like not Sharona, Siona. I was thinking of the song. Sorry, um, but my my Siona. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, you know, green and green-white also has Karametra. So you do get, like, an Enchantress theme in there, too, that sneaks its way into decks where you can you can kind of go Aura, Voltron, or just enchantments that are good and get that group hug on. But most of the time, you're going to end up with tokens in one way or another. Yeah, and I, I, I don't really... I guess what I'm trying to say is, it's like, a lot of other t- colors, they're going to do this play where it's like, okay, I win. 
Whereas, kind of Selesnya's goal is to just amass a big army. And yeah, there's ways to get, like, infinite of stuff in Selesnya. But I feel like Selesnya's game plan is a lot slower in the fact that I'm going to play a big army. And Overwhelming stampede. Yeah, and then I'm going to try and just kill you. Craterhoof. Whereas, other cards are like, alright, well, I have everything, you have nothing, game over. Yeah, or infinite. Com- I have an infinite combo that just burns you to death. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's that's where Selesnya kind of falls short, is ways to definitively win the game, with the exception of, like, Overwhelming Stampede, Crater Hoof, Triumph. Yeah, because, I mean, like, having one big creature is cool and all, but having, like, a bunch of little creatures that become big creatures is always, you know, a, a winning play. Mm-hmm. Unless, unless the Demir player or the Rakdos player or the, you know, the Orzov player says, no, no, you don't, yeah. and destroys all your stuff. And I think that you're right on that. I think that white and green might need a another win con. I mean, they have... There are, like, stuff, like, infinites and, like, Siona mm-hmm. that, do, that do win you the game if you play it right. But I, I think one thing I would add to Selesnya, and maybe this would be a little busted, but... I would like to see some life gain synergy specifically out of the green color. Because green definitely has ways of gaining life. There's lots of things that green can do to gain life on its own. And I feel like Celestia is very, like, like there is a sub-theme of life gain in there. Yeah, especially, like, a Johnny's Welcome and stuff Archangel like that. Archangel of Thune. And the Soul Sisters. Archangel of Thune. Yeah. And, like, I so I, I feel like that would kind of help round it out is to make kind of both colors work together in that sense. And it would just kind of add another commander because there's not really any selesnia life gain commanders i mean there's tristani yeah but, but that also is tokens but it's also playing bigger stuff the deck is big stuff that has a life game sub theme and it's not a prominent theme so no i agree with you on that um i also think that there might need, need some more uh, a little bit more diversity in recent years for selesnia commanders i mean we just got yasharn which is like the hate bears commander or like Gaddock Teague is like a, a, a hate bear commander that Jason seems to love so much. <laughs> but, but I think we need more diversity in the color combo because, like we said, it's a lot about about tokens. And if it isn't, then it has a sub-theme that either makes tokens or gains you life. And I think it needs at least one thing that throws off a little bit. Yeah. Hey, remember... Just take my money. Just take my money. It's fine. I don't want to die. Death and taxes, baby. Death and taxes. So our last one is Orzov, uh, which, as we kind of explained... Death and taxes. Death and taxes. Um, The Orzov color combination very much cares about removal around gaining something off of extortion. Uh, Extort as a mechanic. (laughs) A lot of the... A lot of the cards you play in Orzov kind of explain a little bit of how they they play yeah. as a color combo. Like Smothering Tide is inherently an Orzov card that gets played in every other card color combo, but Smothering Tithe, um, Pitiless Plunderer, anything with Extort, yeah. Um, so Orzov as a color combo has a little bit of a controlly as actually a lot of a controlly aspect. A very much controlly but aspect. Less of a blue like I'm tricky aspect and more of a blatant like give me your thing or i'm killing your thing you're gonna pay this or i'm gonna get this and 
so Orzov has a lot of strong removal. Some of the best removal in the game, actually. Yeah. Uh, because it has white removal in, like, board wipes and, and creature removal, and it has black removal in that you can just kill a thing or kill a thing to gain you something. And then you also have a lot of the black-white cards like Vindicate to just get rid of anything. Uh, Anguished and Making to get rid of anything. Uh, Merciless Eviction to board white anything. <laughs> um, and just and exile it, too. So Orzov tends to have a couple main strong themes. One of which, if I haven't said it enough, death and taxes. Mm-hmm. Two is Aristocrats, where you know you kill your own things, gain life. Three is just life gain as a whole, just straight yeah. up life gain. And then I would say that there's also a ele- an element of uh, reanimator. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And the thing is with Orzov is all of those things don't necessarily like disagree with each other, which means you can throw them all in one deck. And I think it doesn't even ru- like make the deck worse by doing that. Which is a strong thing, but at the same time, um, there are things that Orzov struggles with. I think in terms of commander, Orzov is really well designed in the fact that like your commanders kind of build the deck for you. Like if I'm gonna play Case of Karlov. Yeah, I'm gonna build aristocrats. I'm gonna sack my stuff and I'm gonna bring them back. Or tokens. Yeah. And so I, I think and and there are plenty of other commanders like Ailey, I'm gonna gain a bunch of life, that kind of make Orzhov deck's really good in the fact that each deck does have a set path. Like Campbell? Yeah. Or, or like, like the Soup? And um. so I, I think in in that regard, it, it's Orzhov is good at what it's good at. And it's also not like... Like we mentioned with Simic, I also don't think that the necessarily the Orzhov commanders tell exactly how you're going to play because it does have a lot of pieces, like I mentioned earlier, that you can just throw in that are a little bit off of the path. Like, I could be playing an Ailey life gain, you know, sacrifice deck, but I could focus way more on the fact that it's a one-mana sack outlet rather than the life gain and have a have stuff like um, Dictate of Erebos or Grave Pact, which should go in the deck anyways, but focus and hone in on that theme. And my opponents may be expecting a little bit of both when really I'm, I'm just going harshly into one direction um i i think something that orzov really struggles with is kind of impactful creatures i see i see orzov as a lot of my creatures are pawns or they they do things if something happens whereas the other colors kind of have creatures that i'm gonna play them and they're gonna have an immediate impact and i think orzov misses the mark on a lot of that yeah i agree because, I mean, you do have angels and demons. You have, like... Um, and vampires, too. And vampires, too. So you get stuff like Avacyn. You get stuff like... Um, I'm trying to think of a really good demon. Uh, well, it's banned, so I can't talk about it. I was going to talk about um, Grizzlebrand, but that's banned. For a good reason. Grizzlebrand. <laughs> nice. Um, but I think for the most part, you're right on that. But also, we haven't gotten, like, a really interesting Orzhov commander recently. I mean, we've got two that were cool, and they fit exactly what we talked about in Lisa and Thelys, right? And both of those are great. Uh, Thelys is a token commander in Orzhov, which 
we haven't really had a dedicated token commander. We've had, like, Tesa Karlov that cares about tokens, or, like, the old Tesa that makes tokens. Alendra makes tokens. But we haven't had, like, one that cares about making more tokens. Mm -hmm. Those ones are, like Jason said, you have to generally kill it or, you know, do some loophole to jump through it. Whereas Lisa, or, um, Thalisa's just kind of make, make tokens, you get tokens. Yeah. And... Uh, Lisa is uh, kind of like uh, Campbell in that it's a controlly deck where tax doesn't really matter for you. But it you're, matters for your opponents. But it matters for your opponents because you're gain a, gaining a ton of life to counterbalance out you losing life and everyone loses life and you just kind of tax everyone out until they die. So I guess kind of along the same lines, what we would do to fix Orzov, if I'm right, is just make more creatures. Or diversity. Yeah, and so I, I, I think it's it's just lacking a lot of plays that matter if you're behind. Like, if, you, if you're kind of behind in an Orzhov deck, other than, like, resetting the game with a board wipe, there's not a whole lot you can do. Yeah, it feels really bad when I'm playing, like, Tesa Karlov, and I've got two Aristocrats out, and I've got an engine going, and then someone board wipes and then exiles my graveyard. It's like, okay, well, now what? It's going to take me forever to get that back. Yeah, because you do have card draw in in black. You have really good card draw, but because you're not going to be hurting that bad from the life loss, but it's setting that up again. It, it's establishing yourself as a threat and then holding it is very Orzavi, or making it so that no one can become more threatening than you. Hold the monarchy. Pretty much. I mean, so I think that... I think that you're right. I think Orzov needs either some more diversity in play patterns or diversity in top end of creatures. Cause, or, or even just top end in general, spell-wise, too. Yeah. Because I feel like top end Orzov spells are just drain someone until they're dead or kill everything. And I think that there could definitely be more uh, fun Orzov top ends. I'm going to take all your creatures. Like, like an insurrection effect. Yeah. Or like, you know, but out of graveyard or something. Or, um... Better stacksy type stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, we've gotten pieces like that that do go into these decks, but they're not very diverse in how they play. They would also go into the same... Like, the piece... It's kind of like Simic in the sense that the pieces that would go in Orzov that are in the top end that are good... Are just good. You could put it in a Rakdos deck. You could put it in a Selesnya deck. You could put it in a Boros deck. But you would never do that because Boros doesn't have ramp. Um, but, you know. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I have to see how they touch the color pie with black and white in the in ramp and in um, enchantment removal and that kind of stuff and interesting play lines. Because if they do give white some ramp or what? I don't think black re- needs ramp. No, black's... I don't even really think white needs that much more help. But if they do, it definitely affects this color combo monumentally. I agree. And now it's time to pull from the knowledge pool. Tips to make commander games more fun and more healthy. Alright, so I'm going to play a forest for turn. I'm going to tap two and play Lotus Cobra. Uh, oh... Can I can I redo that? Um, I I meant to get the the landfall trigger. 
This is something that's very highly debated in the world of Magic, especially in casual formats, is the art of the takesy-backsy, as our playgroup likes to call it. Uh, one thing our playgroup likes to do is kind of, if someone messes up and makes uh, the wrong line of play or, like... If it's minor, like, if, if the result's going to end the same... Yeah, and, like, they mess up the order, we usually let them do it. Now, if it's, like, a game-ending mistake or, like... Like, an example of this would be, like, let's say... I'm playing Simic, right? Like, we, talk, we talked about Simic having access to all the good cards. Let's say I, I tapped to play a really good creature. Like, I, I tapped a lot of mana for Hydroid Crisis, and I left a blue and a green up. And for some reason, I think I have a negate in my hand, but it's actually a counterspell. Like, the, the counterspell, named counterspell. Mm-hmm. And Jason plays something that's going to end the game. I can't take C-backsy the way I tap my lands at that point, because I already past and my play would change the outcome of the game so yeah i would recommend that you would uh that you guys should have a discussion with your play group have a debate do whatever a a healthy debate don't like yell at people's throats yell at people but ask them like is this okay because i i think it makes games more fun for us if because if i make a really stupid decision that like screws you out of the game that like is obvious and I, I should have known it. That's not going to be fun for I anyone. Think it's, I think it's fair that I should be allowed, like, a kind of a do-over. Obviously, if you're playing, like, a professional tournament, don't ask for this. That's never going to happen in a million years. We kind of do, like, one per person per game. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, we get it. People are tired. People want to just hang out and play Magic. It's not that big of a deal. Unless it's something really stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm, like, in turn, like, 25 of, like, a four-hour game, I'm going to make a mistake. Yeah. But, um, I mean, and don't even... You don't even have to worry about it too much. If someone asks and you guys really can't make a decision, you can always roll a d20, flip a coin. Yeah. Make it easy on yourself. So yeah, have that discussion and uh, have some fun, guys. Have some fun. So before we pass the turn to you, uh, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube or uh, Spotify if you're watching us on the audio version of this podcast. Yes, watching us on the audio version. If you're listening to us, watching, listening, who cares? Jason's Uh, got his gruel, his gruel brain. We'll also throw Scramble. our Instagram and Twitter links in the description. Uh, we've we've been posting. We've been pretty active on Instagram and Twitter lately. We've been trying our best, especially during you know, of course, it's the holiday season and uh, it's been kind of difficult. You know, everything's getting kind of busy and it's been you know everyone's in lockdown. So we've been trying to do our best to, to stay active out there. And yeah, don't forget about our 100 subscriber YouTube challenge. That is hopefully we're going to reach that goal eventually, where Nick will eat a copy of Bake into a Pie. I'm going to do it. I promise. So yeah, Nick, what are you uh, doing in Magic lately? Well, I'm working on Jason's deck that he's getting for Christmas. And Spoiler alert for the next episode, you'll hear about it. We're going to have some fun with uh, with that. Yeah, because Jason already got mine early, so I'm, I'm putting together his. And uh, it's going to be a fun time. And yeah, how about you? Uh, so yeah, I've already built your, your Christmas deck. And uh, I am working on Obeka for my, my personal collection of decks. I was trying to figure out who I wanted to build out of Commander Legends. Didn't really get a whole lot of inspiration about my pulls, but uh, I, I decided I'm going to roll with Obeka and do some end-of-turn shenanigans, even though Obeka does have blue. Yeah, nice that you mentioned it at the end of turn. But uh, <laughs> I prefer to pronounce it Obeka specifically because it rhymes with Topeka. 
but that's my that's my opinion. Nick is randomly in love with Kansas. All you Kansas folks out there, if you if you're a fan of Kansas, if you want me like to this eat video, subscribe. If you want me to eat a bacon to a pie, we got you. All right, we'll talk to you next time. On untap, upkeep. I tap Obika. All right, so what packs do we have today, Jason? Return to Ravnica. Pretty thematic, considering, you know, we're talking about Ravnica guilds again. So what, let's see here what we get. I got nothing. I got a pack. Oh, man. Feels good. Dude, the, the, yeah. Hey, we both got white cards. Nice. Let me know when you get to the uncommons. Man, there's some cards in here that are just overcosted. It's crazy. Ooh. Alright, I'm right. Yeah. Alright. Oak Street Innkeeper. Fairy Imposter. Azorius Key Rune. Rakdos Ooh. Key Rune. Yeah, key Rune time. Blood Fray Giant. <laughs> Gobbling Ooze. Alright, ready? Three, two, one. You kind of got shit. Yeah, you too. I already have this land. Ding! I got Grove of the Guardian. Alright. I got Lotleth uh, Troll. You could have trolled me by saying like, Oh, you got a land! Oh my goodness! Yeah, but then you said, Oh, you got a Then I was like, Oh, okay. I'm just gonna... I'm just gonna let that one go. But, you know, that's what you get for these packs. I mean, no shock lands today. Yep. All right, we'll see you next time.